0: You want to go down with the crew? They're heading down this way. Adults? Adults? Uh, No, you're going to have to suffer with me. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Only they get to party. No, we'll party up here, too. Um, Well, welcome to Dwelling Place. If you haven't been here before, we welcome you. And just happy Easter, happy Resurrection Day to everybody. Um, That was perfect, because I had just texted... I don't try to do this often during the service, but I texted Tulio, "Can you move the cross back up front? Because that's where it was uh, from the back." So uh, that was perfect. We're going to talk about the cross just for a few minutes this morning. Um, as uh, and and just, uh, I'm glad to be back. If I was here last week, but if some of you I haven't seen almost in a month, because I was here, I was gone two weeks, and then if I didn't catch you last week, then I have not seen you in a month. So. And thank God for Marcy and uh, that crew. Uh, Marcy and John are back. Amen. And we and we also have a new little new little one. The Good Hearts, uh, their baby Samuel's here. T- Josh and Tiffany, and so we want to welcome that the new one. Let's give them a, Samuel Michael, right? All right, Samuel Michael Goodheart. Amen. I think all the rest of your family's gone away, so she's here by herself, and Josh is sick, so. But I, I did want to just welcome you back if you, uh, if you haven't been here. Oh, and uh, I think everybody, nobody has those, actually. You can just give them to everybody. Um, really, it was funny as I was preparing this uh, for this Sunday, I knew there was a lot of things going on, so uh, I immediately read three scriptures, and I, and I told myself, Mitch, if you, if you prepare any more, you will have way too much stuff to do. So you better just hold on to those three scriptures, and that's really what we're going to do. We're going to walk really through three scriptures today, just about the cross. I mean, I think so many times, you know, especially as I go overseas, it's it's very obvious. Overseas, we went to um, Croatia, um, you know, where every city is built. Around, every city is built around a church. That's what. That's what the first thing they did, is they built the church, and then they built the city around it. Uh, or they built a city on top of a hill uh, and where everything was. And they always built this ginormous tower. Whether it had a cross or not, you always knew where the middle of the city was or you knew where the top of the city was because it was always pointing to him, you know. And I think about the cross, you know, because sometimes uh, – and, and I was thinking about Macedonia as well, and I was, I'll show a picture here in just a second uh, about that. You know, sometimes – you know we, we take the cross, we make it a decoration. Um, we put it out on the road, side of the road. Does anybody need a handout real quick? Anybody? Anybody just raise your hand they got them. Um, it's on the side of the road, everywhere. it is you know, um, I think overseas all the time you just cro- you're passing by the cross. in Macedonia, they have the cross way up on a hill, so you see it every day everywhere you go you can find, that was the cool part about Macedonia for me. I always knew where I was at because I always knew where that cross was. So I could always find my way back to where I needed to go. That's that's another sermon in itself, right? But but it was really neat. But the problem is when that cross becomes common, you know, where you stop looking to it, I I can guarantee that everybody in Macedonia, they probably hardly ever see that cross anymore because it's just common. For me, I mean, it was fresh. When I got there, I didn't know my way around, so I needed it. But sometimes in life, we start thinking that we can do life on our own. And we start losing the reality of the cross. We start losing what it meant to us, not only in the beginning, but what it means to us today. And so that's really where I'm hoping to go today is that if you've never met the Savior, that you will find the cross today. Just as I did in Macedonia, I needed the cross to live like, I needed it to survive, to know where I was at, to know where I needed to go in life. If you've never done that, I pray that. But I also pray that you've, if you've found the cross and you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you'll find the cross again in a new and alive way, because it means so much more than just salvation. Uh, and we'll see those as we go along. Uh, but I threw I threw a couple of pictures up there just because I told people I would. Go on to the next the, this is what we had to deal with while we were over there. It was, it was pretty hard. Uh, this is Dubrovnik. This is looking over Dubrovnik, which was my favorite place by far. But, you know, that was the other thing. They're surrounded by beauty, and they are surrounded with a church and a steeple that points to God all the time, but very few know the glory of God that's before them. And that's the tragic thing. It's like, wow, wait a second. I mean, this is like majesty. Go on to the next one. I mean, that was Kotar Montenegro. I mean, just incredible. I mean, I can't even, you know, the, the picture doesn't even do it. I mean, when, once we landed there, I said, I, I think this is the finger of God. Like, is that, I'm pretty sure that's what they call that right there. Uh, go on to the next one. And, the, you know, these are everywhere. This was at the top of a hill in one of the cities. Go on to the next one. Uh, this one I caught at the uh, Roman Coliseum, which you can see if you go to Pula. But just it was cool. I got that in the background. And then the next one. I mean, just everywhere. They're they're all the time going, and this is the, this is the one in Macedonia. So you always know where you're at, because you always know you can always find that the cross. And you know, I always thought about that Second Timothy three five. You know that we sometimes we hold to a form of godliness, but we deny the power. And I think sometimes we do that with the cross. We hold form, we hold to it, but we don't know quite the the power that's behind it. The power of the cross. And so it was really interesting. One, real early on, a good friend of Jared's and I, Brad Dickin, Dickerson, Dickinson, um, down in Big Stone Gap, right when I think we were doing the internship at that point, I mean, it was really on, early in my walk, I wore this cross around my neck. And I knew, I, I didn't quite know why I wore it until he asked me a question. He's like, well, why do you wear that cross around your neck? And I was like, hmm, that's a great question. Like i I don't think I've met nobody's ever asked me that before. But I had to start realizing that I think I hid behind that. I, I, I used it, you know, to to testify for me, you know, about who Jesus was. You know, I, I, I used that the form of that cross instead of the relationship and letting my relationship live out this life in the flesh with everybody else. You know, I was I was kind of hiding behind it, so it was really interesting. So that's the battle. The battle is for the cross not to become common. You know, for man, when they brought that up there, I mean, like my tears just started. I was like, whoa, like just the reality of the cross again. You know, God brings it, and I I pray that you know once again it won't have to happen every, you know, April. You know that it will happen every day in my in my own life for me. and, you know, and the reality is that, going on to the next one, you know, I was thinking about this, you know, God always was declared king, you know, because we're talking about the, you know, we've been talking about the kingdom of God, you know, this 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 message is about the king and, and the cross, because there's no other king that ever did what Jesus did. And even from the get-go, you I mean, you think he was declared king right out of the bat when uh, uh, Matthew 2, 2. Um, it was uh, declared, who, where is he from the wise men? Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star and it rose. And we've come to worship him. Nathaniel in John 149 declares that Jesus is the king of Israel. The crowds in John 615 were trying to take Jesus by force and make him what? King. You know, they, were, they were looking for a king. They wanted a king to come back and save them. They wanted the king to come and save them, and that's exactly what Jesus was doing. They just didn't understand how he was going to do that. In Matthew 21, uh, 1 through 6, Jesus enters Jerusalem on a colt. That was to fulfill the prophecy in Zechariah that declared that your king will be coming, humble on a colt, you know. It's years and years before he even went into the city. They prophesied about that. And then, of course, all through the power process of the cross. You know, I'll read some in Matthew 27. You know, Jesus, when he was before Pilate, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, you have said so. In other words, yeah, <laughs> that's who I am. I am king. And then, uh, of course, the soldiers, when they took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, they gathered the whole battalion before him. They stripped him put a scarlet robe on him, twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand, and kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, what? King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head, and and when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. And then, of course, at the crucifixion, they even put over his head, what? Hail, King of the Jews. I mean, it was funny, even, even in their mockery and probably in their, their uh, own satisfaction of just trying to make a public spectacle, they, don't, they didn't even know they were declaring the fact that he, that's who he was. That's who he, he is, he was, and he will always be king, king. And, you know, you think about, uh, you know, uh, let me just read, the two robbers were crucifying with him, and one on the right, one on the left, and those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, you, you who could destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down from that cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him if he desires, for he has said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers and who and who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. So here, I mean, all throughout the crucifixion story, he's being declared king. So what does a king do? Well, a king like right rules from his own throne, takes care of his own kingdom. So what did Jesus do? What? Did, how did how did God declare into us? Well, of course, we know the king and his what? The cross. That's how he did it. Um, and, you know, that's, it's such an amazing story. And I, I, I kind of want to just give this little side note for all you mathematicians out there. I am a math, sort of, not really a mathematician, but I did teach math. Uh, if you really want a mathematician, you had probably go find Mark Shimizono. Is he in the house? All right. He'll, he'll enjoy this. Um, but it's, I was reading up on just the, pro- the prophecies declaring that Jesus was the Messiah, like the king and how he would come about on this earth. Now, if you think about this, I mean, just, just one. For example, concerning Micah 5.2, where it states the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. This professor, Stoner and his students determined the average population of Bethlehem from the time of Micah to the present. They divided it by the average population of the earth during the same period. They concluded that the chance of one man being born in Bethlehem was one in 300,000, okay? I mean, those those are... Not great odds if you're trying to bet on something, but that's just that's just one prophecy. Listen, after examining only eight different prophecies, they conservative, conservatively ugh, that's a wild, uh, estimated that the chance of one man fulfilling all just eight prophecies was 10 to the 17th power. Okay, what does that mean? Add 17. Take 10 and add 17 zeros to it. That just eight, just eight. To illustrate how large that number is, he gave the illustration. Suppose that we take silver dollars, lay them on the face of Texas. They will cover the state of Texas two feet deep. All right? Now, mark one of those silver dollars, stir the whole mass thoroughly all over the state. Blindfold a man and tell him that he can travel as far as he wishes, but he must pick up one silver dollar and say that this is the right one what chance would we ha- would he have in getting that one right <laughs> i mean that's eight only eight remember i'm only eight just the same chance that the prophets would have had of writing those eight prophecies and having them all come true in any one man now from those figures he concludes the fulfillment of those eight prophecies alone proves that god inspired the writings of the prophecies themselves. The likelihood of mere chance is only 1 in 10 to the 17th. Another way of saying that is any person who minimalizes or ignores the significance of the biblical identifying signs concerning the Messiah would be foolish. But, of course, and these are mathematicians. These aren't, like, there was a, a, uh, a Jesus guy in there, but I don't think these guys were. But, of course, there are more than eight prophecies. In another calculation, he used 48 prophecies, just 48 even though he could have used 456 prophecies concerning Jesus would be the Messiah and how he would be the Messiah 456 so he just used 48 48 would be a extremely conservative estimate would be 10 to the 157th power I mean yeah and it was it was really interesting he said if you move past that mathematicians just declare that as impossible, right? You, if you go past, like, a certain point, which this was, 48, you know, in relationship to 456, you know, I just encourage you, there's the reality of the cross is true. The reality of the cross, there's no, like, there would be a mathematical impossibility for Jesus to do what he did and then prophecies to come about the way they came about. It would be impossible, so sometimes we start thinking, wow, does it take more faith to believe that evolution or whatever else is out there? Or I think I would much better take the reality of the impossibility of that happening. God had to declare that. God had to speak that. So why did he do the cross? What? Why, why did he do it? And I read these three scriptures. I was like, good night. Like, this is just jam-packed. I, I mean, I found 14 different, in three scriptures, 14 different things that Jesus did through the cross. And I want to encourage you with them today. If you've, if you've never uh, heard about Jesus or heard about the cross, this is why he did that. If you have, I'm praying it becomes life to you this morning. Life to you this morning. All right, we're going to look at First Peter 3. Oh, sorry, First Peter 2, 21, I think. Yep. So let's read this. For you have been called for this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Okay? So the first thing is that he not only showed us, he is the what? Way, the truth, and the life. So if he was going to be the way, the truth, and the life, he better show us a good way, a good example. And what better example to do what? Committed no sin, no deceit found in his mouth. While being reviled, he did not revile in return. Suffering, he uttered no threats. I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I don't make it through those three, four things very well. I'd never made them very well on my own, for sure. Without Christ, I can remember a couple times, uh, I was just telling myself, there were several things that I had revelation of because I grew up in church. You know, I had, I had kind of like, kind of this church background. So I, I knew enough to be dangerous, you know, in the kingdom of God because I wasn't, I wasn't a believer until I was in college. But it was funny, you know, going through this whole process, there was a couple times where I tried. It was funny. There was moments where I got revelation that I was doing wrong, and I said, okay, I'm, never, I'm not going to do that anymore. Anybody ever been there? I, I will not do that anymore. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to stop, whatever. I mean, n- never w- did I, was I able to last 24 hours. I mean, a 24-hour period to where I was just back in the same thing I was doing. Why? Because of the power of the cross that's what we're going to talk about. There was, no, there was no hope for me outside of Jesus and outside the power that the cross does in our own lives. All right? So if, if he's going to show me the example, I don't do very well with that. You know, being reviled, I, I try to revile. I mean, I wish I could say that I was 100% with my wife. I mean, she says something, I want to say what? defend myself and say back, you know, if if I'm suffering, I want other people to what? Suffer with me, right? I mean, that's just human nature. I mean, if you're going to suffer, you're going to all suffer with me. But that's not how Christ did it. How how was he able to do that? How was he able to commit no sin, no deceit from his mouth, being reviled? He did not revile in return, suffer. He uttered no threats. The, The second one, to do what? He showed us the way to entrust ourselves to him. He kept entrusting himself to the God who judges righteously. See, I can. The cross did that. I mean, we just talked. I just read about how he spit in the face, how he was. I mean, beaten. It says in the word, beaten beyond recognition. I mean, the Passion does a really good job. Anybody, have y'all seen the Passion? A lot of people have seen the Passion. Passion does an incredibly great job of depicting that it makes me almost, I I get mad. I get angry sometimes at my own self because I know that that's why he's doing what he's doing. But almost at these guys, I'm like, stop. Like, what are you doing? And they didn't beat him beyond recognition. I can still see that guy. I mean, they did a pretty good job. But I think it was even worse. They beat him beyond recognition. He wasn't even recognizable. That's what he did for us. That's what he did on the cross. Because he why could he do that? Why could he keep taking beating after beating after beating, spitting after spitting, uh, you know, the defilement after defilement of somebody speaking, you know, stuff into him? Why? Because he did this. He entrusted himself to a God that judges righteously. All right? Go on to the next one. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. I mean, y'all know that from kindergarten, I mean, kindergarten from Bible, Bible school on up, right? I mean, that's what Jesus did. But if you start thinking, I was trying to find this fact, but I couldn't get to it because there's, there's a bunch of different things, another mathematical facts are, Um, How many people have lived on the earth? You know, there's, I don't know, 7 billion right now. Is that right? Anybody? 6 billion. So if you took the, that and multiplied it several times, I'm sure, would cover, right, we'll just say a conservative, like, we'll just double that. You know, 14 billion people, and that's a low number. 14 billion people—the sin of 14 billion people—he took on the cross. It's no little thing that he did. It's no little thing that he did for you, because you're one of that 14 billion. And so the, the but but we we know that. But I love this next place, that next facet of what the cross does to us, so that we can do what. Die to sin and what? Live to God. Before Christ, I lived to sin and was dead to God. And I lived a miserable life. I mean, right? And I had, I mean, I was great in my class. I had all sorts of accolades of sports and this, that, and the other. Made no difference because it wasn't life. It was the things of this world that, that tried to appease me. Uh, we might die to sin and live to him, righteousness. I love this. For by his wounds you were, are healed. It just establishes healing again. The cross declares that uh, in that to solidify healing in him. And I love this next statement. I kind of left it in there. I almost just left it out. But I think I was like, no, this is, the Lord's saying something in this. For you were continually straying like sheep, like Mitch before Christ. But now you have returned to the shepherd and what? Guardian of your soul. Man, Jesus is a safe place. He's a safe place to allow your soul, your heart, all of who you are, to be entrusted to. Like he's a trustworthy place. Like this world isn't a trustworthy place. Sometimes other people haven't been trustworthy in our, in our lives. But this is a, the shepherd and guardian of your soul. That's a safe place. That's a very safe place. So that's the first one. I mean, so I mean, six different things even in that. Why did he do it? Why did he do it to leave us an example to show us that we could entrust ourselves to him? He could. He was taking our sins upon himself, to empower, to empower us to die to sin and live to God, to solidify healing in Christ, to bring about a safe place to stay. All right, let's flip to the next one. We're gonna get to. We're gonna want us to get to, uh, we're going to take communion here in just a few minutes, uh, just to declare what he did on the cross. Um, And I want to get through these next couple scriptures. I love this. Um, uh, I was about to say somebody read. I'll read. Uh, When you were dead in your transgressions and uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you what? Alive. I mean, that's the the biggest thing. The cross provided provision for you to be alive. Now, some of us have been kind of the walking dead. You know, we've been, whether we know Christ or not know Christ, we can still be kind of among the walking dead. God wants to breathe some awakening in us to, to be alive in him. That's what he declared. That's why he did it. That's why he paid that penalty. That's why he paid the price. That's why he went to the cross, so that we could be made alive together with Christ. Once again, having forgiven us, all our transgressions. Another way for you to be able to not only get forgiveness, but the best part of that is that I get to give forgiveness. I get to give forgiveness. I get to get that off of me and live a free life. Uh, when I am not living a free life is when I'm holding on to unforgiveness or I have not been forgiven by the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's when I'm not living life. When I'm living life, I am free. I love the, um, in John 1430, uh, 1430, I think it is, I was, was telling my class this, I spoke it a lot, but I love the scripture when Jesus declares, the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. That's, that's the way Jesus had to live, nothing in him. You know, Forgiveness allows you to, to let that stuff come out. Not only the forgiveness for yourself, because you need that. If you don't need, know that, you need that. You need forgiveness. You need to be washed. As I love that. Uh, I wish they had the little things back up here, but I love that little thing they did at the end. That was amazing. Yeah, you know, taking the though our skins, sin, <laughs> though our sins, not skin, though our sin was scarlet. You know, they dropped it and they grabbed the white. He's made them white as snow. You need that. You need that forgiveness. Um, I love this next part. I think this is one of the most powerful part when I was reading over these scriptures. I love this. And he canceled out the certificate of debt consenting, consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile towards us. And he has taken it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. I mean, so each one of us has a decree against us. Number one, all all have fallen short. All have what? I missed something in there. All have what? Sinned Sin and fallen short. So we all have decrees against us. You know, they're written. We'll just pretend that these are the written ones. I'll flip it to the written side. These are the decrees against you. So you either live with that and you pay for it. Because everybody will. I mean, I have to. Something has to be done with this. The decrees that were written. Well, what, what did Jesus do? Yeah, he nailed it to the cross, so that I don't have to. I, I have something to do with that. I have it. I can nail it that. God's already done. He's already done the work. So I have to just have to receive that. But I, I love that having uh, the decrees against us, hostile towards us. He took it away. And then this last part's get really great. He when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them having triumphed over them through him. Rick had read this scripture. You know, that's the reality that God disarmed the the powers and authorities that would have access into my life. Now they don't because of the cross. Because of as I have received him, I get to walk into the finished work of the cross. That's the great glorious thing. All right? So that's, a, that's the next four. All right, let's look at the last scripture real quick. And Colossians 1 16. Well, and we're not going to start in 16. 19. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture as well. For it was the Father's good pleasure. <laughs> Just receive that. It was the Father's good pleasure that all fullness dwell where? In Him, in Christ. All right, and through Christ, so first thing is just the, it was the Father's good pleasure. I mean, the, to declare fullness in him, that's why he went to the cross, because fullness is met in him. And he is before all, oh, sorry, I just went back up to the top. Um, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of the cross. So the reality is he's reconciling us to, to him. Anybody remember what reconcile? You were away. You were, you, you, you were not with him. Reconciliation means I have access to be with him. And some of us through, just like me, through the crazy realities of, of living in the world, I never felt I was accepted in that place. I mean, y'all know my testimony. I could believe that Jesus loved me, but he really didn't like me. Like I could believe that he died, he did all what he did because he loved me, but I didn't really think he liked me, so I didn't I wasn't gonna be reconciled to the fullness of who he was because I didn't I didn't even know he wanted me to be in his presence anymore, or be with him. So I just encourage you, this morning, God's reconciling reconciling some of our hearts to him, whether that's a first time I've never been with Christ at all and I need to be definitely reconciled with the the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that did this for me, or some of us are having our hearts reconciled to him in relationship to things that have been going on in life. And so uh, I love this next part. And though um, having been made peace through the blood of the cross, so he gave us peace in the cross, uh, through him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, and although you were formerly, formerly alienated and hostile in mind, you were engaged in evil deeds. So, I mean, alien... What is that? I mean, you're, you're not here, right? Uh, alienated um, and hostile. I mean, you're hostile. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, when I was before Christ, I was really hostile towards the things of, right, of righteousness, those things. You know, they, they didn't come easy for me, for sure. But I love this place. Um, for he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him, this is what you get. Holy, blameless, beyond reproach. That's what you get for, for exchange of what Jesus did. This is what he's doing with you. He's presenting you before him. Holy, blameless and above, beyond reproach. If you continue if indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established, steadfast, not moved away from the hope of this gospel. Don't move away from the cross. You know, remember, we can't ever move away from the power of not only the cross, but then, of course, what happens after that. I love in 2 Corinthians 5.21, I didn't put it in there, but he who made, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the what? Righteousness of God. It gives us the ability to become the righteousness of God. That's why we can be wholly blameless because, and beyond reproach because he did it. Not because of any measure of what I did, for sure. And you know how much I, was, I tell people all the time in my testimony. I'm like, you know how much uh, in, um, fruit I had in my life before Christ. I, I mean, if somebody asked me for the first 21 years, 20, 21 years of my life, what, 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 what fruit did you have from that? I start thinking about that. I'm like, ah, mm, Well, I don't know. I, could, I couldn't even tell. I couldn't even tell him what I did or how I walked because it was, it was all fruitless because it wasn't, it, because it, I, I needed him who knew no sin to become sin on my behalf so that I could become that which God had called me to be. He's already declared it. Um, I always thought, you know, the Lord just said, will it be easy? Of course not. You know, 1 Corinthians 1.18 tells us the word of the cross is foolishness to this world. You know, they're not going to understand this. You know, the world, the world, you know, I mean, you, you know, we're living in a society that's going backwards in relationship to this, for sure. I mean, they're trying to remove as much as they can f- about this. Why? Because it testifies to something. <laughs> it testifies to the kingdom that's right before their very eyes, just like those people in Macedonia or just like those people in, you know, uh, Croatia or Montenegro, wherever it is. I mean, United States. The glory of God is before us. Are we? Do we? Can we receive it? Can we receive it and walk in it? Um, but thank God. Oh, and then I also think about John six. You remember uh, John six, where Peter and the disciples, you know, Jesus said, "You're going to have to eat my flesh and what drink my blood, uh, or you won't have a part of me." And they were like, uh, almost all the disciples except the twelve said, "Wow, that's kind of a difficult statement." And Jesus, I mean, Jesus, who you thought would br- have brought Hundreds and thousands to him every day actually just got rid of a bunch because why? They said it's just too difficult a statement. Who who could even who could listen to that? Who could walk in that? And they a lot of many of his disciples left. The ones that were walking, they saw they saw healings, they saw resurrections, they saw 5,000 five, 5, people get fed, thousands of people get fed. They saw all sorts of things, but when it came down to it. It was relationship, living relationship. Is that always easy? Absolutely not. Is it worth it? Absolutely, absolutely. Because um, I would hate for you to come out of this saying, "Man, well, this Jesus life is all bed of roses." Well, it's not. But it's it's life. It is life and life abundantly. I could tell you this: i would never, I would not trade it for anything, um, because it is. I know that, man, the, the, the day that I said yes to the Lord transformed my very thinking, my very life, my very destiny. my Everything that I was doing became, hmm, you know, nothing in comparison to that. So, um, but I love this um, this Galatians 6.14. i put that on your thing. This is the great call of the cross. Uh, let me finish that John 6 passage. I love it because, you know, he turns to the other 12 disciples and says, "Do you want to go away too?" You know, do you want to leave as well because this is the call <laughs> of the cross. And Peter Peter who did mess up every once in a while and didn't get it right all the time, he made the most significant statement, I think, is that's in the Bible. You know, when Jesus says, "Do you want to go away too?" Because this is the message of the cross. "Do you want to go away too?" He said what? Where else are we going to go? Where else am I going to go? You have the words of eternal life. No matter how hard it gets, where else am I going to go? You have the words of eternal life. That's what, it's not always going to be easy, but I love this. It says in Galatians 6.14, the great call of the cross, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Paul gave himself one place to boast, and that if he was going to boast in something, it wasn't going to be himself, it wasn't going to be his preaching. It wasn't going to be his ability to ra- uh, lay hands on the sick and see him healed. It wasn't going to be on anything but what. If I'm going to boast in something, it's going to be in what the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been what crucified to me, and me to the world. You can tell if the you can kind of tell if the finished work of the cross is in us, because we will begin a very methodical and very, uh, a path to say, I'm crucified to the world. It doesn't even have anything to offer except death, except, you know, a a fleeting little path of, you know, what I would think is freedom, but it ends up in bondage. You know, so that's the work of the cross. Some of us need that resurrection of that work of the cross in us because we've we've been realizing maybe the world's been having a whole lot more attention in my life than it should have um and it's not uh, it's not being crucified to me and um so that's the call that that Paul put before us, crucified to me and I to the world so well, the great thing the great uh testimony of that is that thank the lord it he didn't stay where on the cross he didn't stay in the tomb. The reason we celebrate today. Not only that he, the, the power of all this that I just talked about has not, have, would have nothing had he not done what? Risen from the grave. You know, because he is risen. I love this resurrection story. The glory of the cross is the what? Resurrection. Um, I love this story in Luke 24. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. As the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, and this is one of the most incredible questions that we're faced with on this day, why do do you seek the what? Living one among the dead, you know? That's an amazing question that we are all faced. You know, why do I look for anything else? I have I know who the living one is. So why am I looking for him among the dead? The the world. The the things that in this life. Why would I why would I go out there and look for that, for him in that? And I think that's what he was saying. Why why are you looking for he because he's alive. I love that. Uh he is not here, but he has risen. remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man, crucified and the third day rise again and so I just think I, I kind of leave you with that that question um, I don't know what time it is probably not I was thinking of doing that there's a little uh, little video clip that was really cool um, about that but um, Let's actually, I'm going to show that, but if, if all the people that are serving communion can go ahead and go back, if we can show that real quick, and I'm going to get them to go ahead and get there. And what we're going to do is transition. Leah is going to come right after this video, and she's going to speak uh, to um, the, uh, about communion. But uh, I just want, this is a really, you know, cool little uh, clip about that statement right there. Go ahead.
1: and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them and said, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. why do you seek the living among the dead a question that cuts right to the heart that day the women found an empty tomb that once held a crucified christ so the angels asked them this very profound question why do you seek the living among the dead that same question echoes in our hearts today why do we seek life in things that lead to death why do we look for a savior in all the wrong places? We want to live life to the fullest. But we chase the things that ultimately kill us. Why do we search for fulfillment and emptiness? Why do we seek the living among the dead? But that same question contains a sense of celebration. The ultimate sacrifice of Jesus was successful. Death couldn't stop him, and hell couldn't hold him, and sin couldn't beat him. Jesus died so that we could live. He took our place, accepting the death that we deserve so that we could live with him forever. Because of his sacrifice, our lives don't end with death. And now we can celebrate. Not because he was crucified, but because he rose. Not because he died, but because he lives. And when we gather. Together in his name, he is with us. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not there. He is here.
2: course, I was, I was trying to get out of this morning, but um, the Lord, um, I don't know, just a couple days ago, I just really felt like He just spoke one word to me, and it was intimacy. And immediately, I, I just felt like, Lord, I just really feel like, you know, we're supposed to do communion, which is not unusual, you know, for Easter Sunday. But in that, I had this, um, I had this picture it's kind of an unusual thing because, you know, I grew, up, I grew up in the church, and so I, I probably, I turned 44 this past week, double fours. So I, I literally grew up from the time I was born in the church. So I can't even count, I would say, when I was seven. So the amount of communions, Easter Sundays, you know, that, that was just a part of growing up. But it's funny, I had this memory of um, we were in a small Southern Baptist church and so it was quiet you know there really wasn't much room for noise especially with no padding on the pews but anyway like one of my memories growing up and this is what the lord was speaking to me at that moment was i would sit during the sermon which the pastor i grew up i knew really well but um and my dad's a very quiet man very personable, just about, you know, his faith and stuff, so in terms of intimacy growing up, you know, we really didn't have many of those interactions, but during Sunday morning, I would sit, and I would grab his hand, and I would trace, like, all the veins in his, like, I would, I would just study his hand. I'd flip it over, and I remember thinking, like, will I know him? Like, could I know him from his hand? And so these, these moments in the Word were really places of intimacy and recognizing my Father, like recognizing the Father. And I really felt like this morning, even for me, like communion was so, that's what I kind of laughed because I was like, okay, Lord, like I, like I don't want to do something to do it because it's, I've always done it. Like I want to know you in this because Jesus came to restore relationship. So I started reading just about communion. And so it's just amazing. You know, he and the disciples are alone. I mean, they go somewhere together as this family in this place alone. And, and what does he start? He washes their feet. And, like, and then there's a breaking of bread, which is, is relationship he blesses them. He blesses the food. And I really felt like the Lord just wanted to awaken in each of us. And maybe even those that are struggling, like maybe you're struggling because you long for relationship. Well, that is the call. Like that is why Jesus came. That's why he came on this earth in flesh. I mean, Thomas had to touch his hand you know, when he rose from the tomb, what Mary and them, man, they just came and grabbed him. I mean, he's like, whoa, whoa, I got to go, you know. But because it was about relationship and intimacy, and I really felt like like there was this, you know, he talks, you know, it says, you know, do this in remembrance of me. But there was this point of recognition, like communion became, it, it wasn't about recognizing what Jesus, it was recognizing him. Like it said later on, they, after he was resurrected, it was only when he broke the bread, they recognized who he was because they remembered this moment. And I, I felt like the Lord was just, there was just this call as a family, even as the kids were dancing up here today, like this is a family. Like, there are kids up here dancing that are not my children, but I rejoice in their life like I rejoice in who they are because this is supposed to be a family, and this moment of communion is a thing that we do together in recognizing him in in love and unity with each other but um but I really felt like he he was just really speaking this place like. You know, Jesus, and he said, he's like, it's better for me to leave so that the Holy Spirit can come, because it went from God with us, who he is with us, to God in us. You know, that the Holy Spirit is within us, which is, there is no greater place of intimacy and relationship than that, Um but, yeah, I just really felt like there was just something with that. Um, it's funny, several, about a year or so ago, we were in the church I grew up in, and Kristen was sitting, you know, beside me, which she's not used to sitting in the quiet, which can get a little nerve-wracking for parents that have their kids are not used to that, you know, because you never know what's going to happen. But it's finished. She picked up my hand, and she started, like, tracing my hand. And I really felt like there's just something... There's something with that. Like, he is that close to you. Like, his desire for you is that intimate. Um, but, yeah. So, I'm going to read this, and then we can, I've, like, I've never led communion before. So, let's see. I did have the scripture right here. Yeah. And so while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. And this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. And God, I just, I just thank you. I just thank you that, that you have drawn us into relationship Jesus, I just thank you that you came and that you died and you rose again so that we could be one with you, so that we could know you intimately. And God, I just thank you that, Lord, that you have blessed us. Lord, we receive the blessings of sons and daughters of God because of what you have done. I I just thank you for that. And Lord, I do, I just agree and just pray blessing over this body, every person here. God, I just pray blessing over their life and who they are, God. Lord, I I just pray that in Jesus' name. I just pray, God, just everything that you put in them, Lord, that you would just stir that up. God, I thank you for them. Lord, I thank you for who they are in this place. Lord, wherever they're from, God, I just, I do, I just speak blessing over their life, over their families. Um, Lord, we just give you glory and honor in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. You can pass your cups to the right. If everybody will pass them to the right, they will, Tulio will come and grab them. Some of the. Just before we leave, you want to? You want to I'm gonna get Rick to come up. You want to share? You know, as Mitch was sharing, uh,
3: I, have, I couldn't help but think about Paula's job. You know, with uh, Deloitte, they got a they have a benefit package, pretty extensive, and it has these pages of benefits for working with Deloitte. And I couldn't help but think about, as Mitch was preaching, that I couldn't help but think about, you know, Psalm 103, where blessed the Lord, all my soul, and forget none of his benefits. The benefits of the cross. And as Mitch started sharing the, uh, uh, the probabilities of all in relationship to Jesus, and you go, do I believe? You know, and I couldn't help but think about the movie that, one of my man, it's all-time favorite movies that was just out, that movie, Do You Believe?, Still on, by the way, if you get a chance to go see it. But uh, the opening scene is this guy carrying a cross down the street, and he's carrying it, and he's sort of preaching as he goes, and he stops this pastor in his car, and he says, Do you believe the cross? And the, the pastor, you know, the guy goes, Well, yeah, I'm a pastor. No, he says, No, no. Do you believe in the cross? And the pastor, you know, looks at him and says, Yes. And he says, If you do, what are you going to do about it? And I go, wow. In fact, that's the whole movie, what it's about. If you believe, what are you going to do about it? And, uh, and I couldn't help but think about it. You'll probably heard me share this before, but there's this story, and I don't know whether it's true or not, but it's a story of a guy who had strung a cable across the Niagara Falls, and, uh, and he started announcing that he's going to push this wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls of Bricks. And so people crowd gathered around, and and before he pushed it across, he says, do y'all believe I can push this wheelbarrow across? And, you know, there was a few people encouraging him to go, and so he he pushes the wheelbarrow all the way across and back, and they cheer, and they think he's great and stuff like that. And he says, do y'all believe I can do it again? So they cheered, you know, more crowd there, and he, he pushes this wheelbarrow of bricks across the, you know, and he comes back. And they cheered, and he asked them again. He says, do you believe I can push this wheelbarrow across? And they said, yes, yes, yes. So he took the wheelbarrow and he dumped the bricks and he said, get in. (laughs) And that's what Jesus did for us. (laughs) He said, wait, I don't believe I died on the cross. He said, get in. And so many of us in here, that place is, you know, accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior for the first time. And I, I'll say this, I've heard people tell me a lot that religion ruined our lives, but I'll say this, I never heard a person say, Jesus ruined my life. He's one wheelbarrow you can get in, guaranteed across every time. And the second thing is, there's some of you have got in the wheelbarrow and you're going, Jesus, don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go. And uh, I can't help thinking about that passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians uh, 5.14 where it says, you know, the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. So that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but to him who died and gave himself up for us. So the question is, and all that Mitch was declaring and we were declaring today about the cross, do you believe? If you believe, you live to him. If you say you believe and you don't live to him, you don't believe. That's a lie. That is a lie. Because what you believe, you walk out. And so we're just gonna, I'm gonna call for the, the prayer team and the elders, if they would please come, you know, and we're gonna pray for BJ and Tara, come on up while right you're here, please. Y'all you know, come on, we need prayer teams to pray for people. And if we're going to close the service, and if you want prayer, uh, come on up. And uh, we'll be glad to pray for you in any way, shape, or form. And uh, you got something else you want to... Good words. Man, awesome. Let's pray and close. Any things that we've shared today touched your heart, I just say don't push it down. Don't push it down. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We rejoice in the reality of the risen Lord. We thank you that you're awesome, Lord, awesome in love, that the pre, you know, just pre-existent Lord, before the world was, you were with the Father and that you gave it all up to come here for us, commending your love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, you, Jesus, died for us. So, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you died and you rose again. A testimony that you are alive. That this is real. Witnesses, saw bear witness that you had been raised from the dead. So, Lord, we bear and receive the witness of the Father that life is in the Son. And Lord, those of us in here that do not know you as their Lord and Savior, do not have the reality of the witness of Jesus in them. Lord, I pray that they would not leave this place without But Lord, those of us who have been walking in compromise, saying we believe but that in our lives we say something else, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, this can be a day to begin again. To lay aside the past and live for you from this day forward. So Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless y'all and have a great day.